Uh, good morning. I'm going to be reading Hebrews 7 today, which can be found on page 1205 of the Church Bible. This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God Most High. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed from the defeat of the kings and blessed him, and Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, the name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Then also, king of Salem means king of peace. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. Just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. Now the law requires the descendants of Levi, who become priests, to collect a tenth from the people, that is, from their fellow Israelites, even though they are also descended from Abraham. This man, however, did not trace his descent from Levi, yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. And without doubt, the lesser is blessed by the greater. In the one case, the tenth is collected by people who die, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. One might even say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham. Because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestor. If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, and indeed the law given to the people established that priesthood, why was there still need for another priest to come, one in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron? For when the priesthood is changed, the law must be changed also. He of whom these things are said said belonged to a different tribe, And no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar. For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah, and in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. And what we have said is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears, one who has become a priest not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. For it is declared, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless, for the law made nothing perfect, and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. Others became priests without any oath, but he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office, but because Jesus lives forever, he is a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, He does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men in all their weakness, but the oath which came after the law appointed the Son, who has been made perfect forever. Uh, Good morning, everybody. Um, Can we just pretend for the next few minutes that Nick didn't say anything? Otherwise, uh, 
Melchizedek's not going to get a chance and uh, we're going to miss out on something really good. So um, with that in mind, uh, quick little question. Uh, the kind of the greater, lesser, have you ever done that sort of game? You know, what's bigger, what's better? So here's just a, a pondery for you. I'll tell you the right answers in a minute. Uh, bourbon or custard cream? Is a bourbon greater than or lesser than a custard cream? Greater. Of, yes, of course it is. A bourbon is greater than a custard cream. Uh, red sauce or brown sauce? Is a red sauce greater than or less than brown sauce? Greater. Yep, excellent. Well done. Uh, one more. Cats and dogs. Oh, just going straight for the controversial topics this morning. Dog, dogs are greater than cats. There we go. Um, <laughs> Greater than, less than. Why have we, we done that? Well, well really, Hebrews, the, the whole book of Hebrews, is a bit like a kind of a, a big game of greater than. The whole thing. Although it's not actually a game. It's far more uh, serious than that, or far more real than that. That actually, it's the whole book saying, Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater than anything uh, you can uh, imagine. And this morning as we hit uh, Hebrews 7, uh, we're going to see that that Jesus is greater uh, than the Levitical priesthood. Has that hooked you in? Well, if it hasn't, it it should. Because I'm a priest, Nick and I are called priests in the Church of England. But at no point do we ever go to an altar. That There are no altars in a Church of England church, by the way. At no point do we go to an altar to offer sacrifices. At no point did you uh, come into the door this morning bringing your sacrifice with you to give to us to then... This is the whole way that God has completely flipped the whole Old Testament system on its head so that he can bring people like you and me into his very presence. That actually this uh, Jesus greater than Levitical priesthood is not just a footnote in some theological book about how interesting Jesus is a bit like Melchizedek. It's the very picture, the way that he's saying, this is how I'm going to draw you near. This is how... I'm going to bring you to myself. I hope that's hooked you in a bit more. Let's pray as we start though. Father, we thank you for this. We thank you that Jesus is greater. And we thank you that this morning we get to just dip our finger in a little bit to see how Jesus is greater than anything that's gone before and how he is able to completely bring us into your family, to completely save us. And Father, we pray this morning that as we just go through this chapter of Hebrews, that we wouldn't simply understand it, but actually we would enjoy you more and more. Amen. We're back in Hebrews again after a little uh, Christmas break. Uh, And Hebrews is written primarily to a a Jewish audience. Uh, And most of those people reading this are are those that follow Jesus. But there are also those that are still sort of trying to to cling on to some of their Jewish traditions. Uh, They want to follow Jesus, but they're also sort of hanging on to some of the old uh, ways. Uh, 
And the author, to the, to in, the author of Hebrews is just trying to, to peel away some of those fingers. To say, look, what are you doing? You don't need to do that. Jesus is far, far better. And so uh, his aim now, after going through uh, different parts of the whole for opening chapters of Hebrews, he now takes aim, as it were, fully uh, at the priesthood, uh, the Levitical priesthood. Uh, and then we meet this chap, uh, Melchizedek. I think that's a photo from his early years. But, um, uh, and Melchizedek, in terms of space in the Bible, uh, in terms of when he appears, uh, we get the, the huge total of uh, three verses. Genesis 14, 18, 19, and 20. Uh, let me just read to you those verses uh, from Genesis 14. Uh, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, uh, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high, and he blessed Abram, saying, uh, Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God most high, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Uh, then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. That's it. He appears again, he's mentioned in, in Psalm 110, which is actually quoted later on, which we'll come to. And then we get him here in Hebrews 7. But who is he? Well, if you've got a Bible open there in Hebrews 7, uh, let's just find out. And we find out that he is, uh, he's king of Salem, uh, Salem being the, the, the precursor to Jerusalem. Uh, Salem meaning peace. He's a king. He's king of peace. His very name, Melchizedek, means king of righteousness. And, verse 1, he is a priest of God most high. Melchizedek is both a, a king and a priest. What's, why is that so important? Well, there's nobody else in the Old Testament who is both of those offices. There's nobody else who is both a, a king and a priest. Priests couldn't be kings. They just couldn't inhabit both of them. So he's a, a king of peace, a king of righteousness, and a priest of God Most High. Uh, but more than that, he also just sort of appears... Uh, he just sort of comes. It just, uh, he comes out of nowhere. He kind of has no genealogy. Uh, we don't get told, oh, uh, Melchizedek is the, the son of, da 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 da. Oh, and then there is children. Uh, he, he just appears out of nowhere and then disappears. It's a bit like he's being shown to be eternal. I don't think he is eternal. I think he did have parents. He may have had children. But the picture is that we're being given is that he's a king, he's a priest, and he's eternal. I mean, it's a lot, isn't it, packed in just a few verses. But why does that matter? Why does that matter? Uh, We'll just look at uh, verses 4 to 5 of Hebrews chapter 7. Just think how great he was. 
Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of plunder. Now, the law requires the descent of Levi, who become priests, to collect a tenth from the people, that is, from their fellow Israelites, even though they are also descended from David. Abraham, that the father of the, the whole Jewish people, gave a tenth to this man, Melchizedek. And at this point, it's just helpful just to, to pause a moment uh, and just to, to backtrack on sort of the family tree a little bit. So we have Abraham at the top, and then we have Isaac, and then Jacob, uh, and Jacob had his 12 sons, one of which was Levi. And you might know the 12 sons were given land, the 12 tribes were given land to live in, except Levi. Uh, Levi were at the priestly tribe, and so therefore they were given the 10% from the other tribes. That's how they survived. The others had the land. Levi had the tithe, the, the 10%. That's what they were given. Uh, but here, that the author here is saying, look, Melchizedek was given 10% by Abraham, but he's not of Levi. Well, of course he can't be, because Levi is like not even there yet. But that's how special he is. In fact, he says there in verse 9, it's a bit more like Levi was giving to, to Melchizedek. Because Levi was in uh, sort of the old translations, in the loins of Abraham. Uh, so as an ancestor, he's there. And so through Abraham, he's giving uh, 10% to Melchizedek. What the author of the Hebrews is doing is just uh, setting up, saying, look, look how great he, Melchizedek is. And, of course, what did Melchizedek do? He blessed Abraham. And just like water down a hill, uh, the greater blesses the lesser. So for Abraham, this, this great patriarch, the father of all the people, the one who has given all these promises, is blessed by someone, then the one who blesses him is greater. So Melchizedek is greater than Abraham. And he is a king and a priest, but he's not a priest in the line of Levi. So where's he headed? Where's this going? Uh, Verse 11. If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, and indeed the law given to the people established that priesthood, why was there still need for another priest to come? One in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron. If you could be made right with God through uh, this sort of system that's been given, why, does, why do we need someone who's from a different type of priesthood? Well, the answer is, the Levitical priesthood couldn't make you right. It didn't mean it didn't have a function. It did have a function. It helped the people to understand that they couldn't just walk into God. It helped the people to understand they needed somebody to stand in for them. They needed that, the, 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 one, the intercessor, the priest, to, to be the one to represent them to God, to mediate them to God. 
But the system of the Levitical priesthood was not, could not, and was never meant to be able to be able to save the people. Something uh, better was needed. And did you notice how it says there, uh, political priesthood, second half of verse 11, and indeed the law given to the people established the priesthood. It's saying, look, actually the priesthood and the law are kind of intertwined together. What you can't do is go, well, these priests are kind of, they're okay, they're not great. We'll get a better priest. They can go into that system and then everything will be okay. It's like, no, no, the, the priests and the law are intertwined. Both of them are defunct. We both need a, a, a better priest and a better way of being made right with God, a better covenant. And that's where we come to Jesus. How is Jesus better? How is Jesus uh, greater than the old priesthood? Uh, well, Hebrews, uh, the author who gives us, gives us four uh, ways. Uh, the first is that he comes from uh, a better tribe. Remember we said that Levi's are priests. But if you go back to that family tree and follow down Abraham, Isaac, Jacob... Jesus' line doesn't go via Levi, it goes via Judah. Judah, the royal line. Jesus is a king and a priest. He is the one who, like Melchizedek, holds both of those offices. Like Melchizedek is greater. Jesus is the one who is both uh, king of all and the one who makes peace. Jesus comes from a better tribe. Uh, Secondly, uh, Jesus has a a better quality of life. I don't mean he went on beach holidays. Um, Rather, what I mean is is that his very point of his being, his very life itself, had a, a tangibly, empirically better quality in that it was eternal. Uh, Verse 16, uh, one who has become a priest on the basis not of a regulation as to his ancestry, i.e. you're a priest because you're part of this family, but actually, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. Do you remember Melchizedek? Uh, That picture of eternal, no beginning, no end. Jesus is eternal. Jesus uh, has a better quality. But actually, more than that, it means that Jesus is always able to do his job, to intercede. Uh, the problem with priests uh, was that they came and go. You know, we've got a general election later in this year. We might have a new prime minister. Comes and goes. People come and go. Vickers come and go. Jesus doesn't. Jesus does not change. There was never any doubt saying, oh, you know, will Jesus be there to, to, to intercede for us? He will. He's eternal. Nothing can stop that, not even death. Jesus 
is greater, is better, because he's eternal. He always lives to act and intercede. Uh, Thirdly, uh, there was a greater assurance. Uh, People were appointed priests and the Levitical priesthood, again, because of family. There was no kind of promise or oath. They just kind of went down. So there may be a kind of possibility of us even thinking, well, God has now said we've got this new covenant. Maybe, again, there'll be a point in the future he'll change his mind again. But that's not the case because he's made a promise. Uh, This is where we get that quote from Psalm 110. It's verse, uh, well, verse 17 and verse uh, 22, 21, sorry, uh, in Hebrews, uh, where it says, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. You are a priest forever. The Lord has sworn it. He's been made an oath. This uh, new covenant will not be changed. Why? Because God has promised that it will not be changed. And then lastly, Jesus has a greater righteousness. Uh, Another problem with the priests wasn't simply uh, that they died. It's that they themselves were people who needed saving. That they themselves were the ones who were wearing dirty clothes. They had to wash their own clothes before they could wash others, to use that illustration. But with Jesus, Jesus, well, Jesus' righteousness is perfect. He has no need to offer sacrifices for his own sins. And indeed, the sacrifices that the priests were bringing were insufficient in so much as they had to be done day after day after day. Whereas Jesus doesn't have to offer sacrifices for himself, but is able to offer himself as a sacrifice once for all. Jesus is greater. Uh, Melchizedek is greater than Abraham, and Jesus is greater than the priesthood. Jesus is, verse 22, therefore, uh, the the guarantor of a, a better covenant, the one who promises and backs and stakes his claim to say, because of me, I will bring you to myself through my covenant. And therefore, verse 25, he is able to save completely those who come to him through God because he always lives to intercede. So what? And... That's nice, Ben. But this is God turning the the whole system on its head. It's him showing, look, this old system that, that, that you're reliant upon, it just it doesn't work. It has a purpose, but that purpose is not to make you right. But 
But when Jesus comes, when Jesus came, he is greater. He is uh, greater than we can ever imagine. So often in our, our modern Christian circles, we, we forget what it cost God to bring us to himself. That we take for granted that we, can kind of, that we can just walk up to him. We may even be in danger of thinking that, that actually that, that my faith is a bit like a get-out-of-jail-free card in Monopoly. I'm a Christian, I can play that card and then I can just walk to God's. Which is true. But you're just missing out on so much. The gospel is not a a cold transactional equation. We're given a card and you can walk in. It's so much more. The gospel story is, is of the king of the world who made all things, who, who enters in to our world, who enters into the muck, the mire, the dirt, the filth, to be one of us, it's so that he can represent us, to be our priest and our king, to be the sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice, so that he could save us to the uttermost. And still intercede for us today. Or, or to put it another way. Jesus comes. He kicks the door into the prison that we're in. He grabs us out. Holds us. Saves us. And keeps telling us, you are mine. I love you. You are mine. And he's still doing that today. Even when uh, we have temptations that say, you can't be a Christian Jesus says, you are mine. Even the Father cannot bring accusation against you because Jesus says, you are mine. He is interceding for you. There is not one day when Jesus is not your high priest. Because he lives and works to this day. The gospel is not a get out of jail free card. It's the story of our loving king entering our world to be our priest, to be our sacrifice, to carry us out and to keep holding us day by day until we see him in glory. This morning, we're at the kind of the the top of the roller coaster. As we move on through Hebrews, we're just going to dive on in even more into the wonders of this covenant, into the wonders of what it means for Jesus to bring us to himself. Because Jesus is greater. There is no person, power or authority who is greater than him. So what? Well, the shorter Westminster Catechism, uh, first question says, what is the, the chief end of man? The answer is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So what to do this morning? Glorify God. Give him praise. Give him thanks. And enjoy him. Smile 
Remember who you are. Christian, you could not be more safe. You could not be more loved because you have the greatest high priest you could ever possibly want. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have saved us completely. There is nothing that we could do or can do or need to do that because Jesus is greater. Father, we pray that you may cling that truth to our hearts this day and always. Amen.